This is episode 56, Brokenness to Forgiveness with Isa Cueva Santos. Mabuhay and welcome to the Best of You podcast, the home of inspiration for Filipinos around the world. Here's another inspiring interview designed to help you grow, impact, and become the best version of yourself. Hey guys, and welcome back to this two-part interview. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go back to episode 55 and listen to part one. This is a continuation of this interview with the amazing Isa from Gawakalinga. So I encourage you to do so. So if you have, which I hope you have, enjoy this second part. Amazing stuff from Isa. Okay, this is the second part of the interview. One of the... the the things I, I've learned on my journey is great leaders know when to quit. <laughs> so we usually have a, a negative association with the word quitting, but sometimes there's, there's opportunity, well, moments where it's the right thing to quit. So can you give me an example of the best thing that you've quit in your life? Hmm. Not... Maybe it's in the definition of quitting that yes. makes it difficult for me because yeah. I feel like we don't really quit on things but I recognize there were moments when we knew there were better ways of doing it so maybe yeah. is that what you mean? Well I'm to, maybe it's the power of no whether it be a, a bad behavior or a mindset I think mm. that you talked about at the beginning or some of the people <coughs> you used to associate with that you've said no to even though you're under social pressure both maybe internally and externally to continue with that practice or meeting those people but because of you said no to that, even though it's difficult, you're a better person today because of it. Maybe, and it's an everyday no for our family, for my husband and I, uh, deciding a simpler life, I think. Um, because we are very blessed to be in a position today where my husband's work really allows us to earn a bit more. And I think we can, we can always raise our lifestyle. But we've really made a decision as a family to live simply and to decide to give more. Mm -hmm. And so even if there are social pressures, uh, GK isn't my only life. We have friends from external and the drive to be a bit more materialistic, uh, to buy something nicer, to buy the newer phone, to buy the more expensive bag, to buy the more expensive car, to get the bigger house. Yeah. Uh, all that is a daily no for us because those temptations are very real and oftentimes you want something more comfortable but we always pull back and say is this really what we need and to to say no to that every day especially when you have children it's very tricky because you really want to give them your very best and oftentimes our, my husband and I will always say you know we he for example even if I work very hard, I will never earn anything because I work in GK. I only work harder. But for him, when he works harder, there is more money. Um, and, and it's always a daily struggle of yeah. what best means for our children. Mm. Um, is it the best material resources? But then is that really what's best for them? Will it teach them character? 
yeah. will it teach them kindness and generosity and so that sort of saying no on a daily basis is very challenging yes and I appreciate you sharing that the battle between want and need yes and and the the tricky part about it is no one can define it for you. Yes. It's really what is right for you and for your family. In that particular moment. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And it's hard. It's very <laughs> hard. It, it's so much easier when it's for yourself. Yeah. Um, but when it's for your children, the desire to give them what they want mm. is very strong. Mm. And to pull back and say, at the end of it, if I give you this, what is the trade-off? Mm. Will it teach you character that you get something so easily without working for it? Mm. Will it teach you hard work when you get something even if you don't work hard for it? Mm. So it's, it's the higher value over the demand of the moment. Mm. So Isa, maybe you've already answered this question, but I want to kind of use the analogy of fighting, <laughs> of battling. Um, we earlier talked about the GKs on a war against poverty. Um, all of us are fighting something in life and that can be for both good and bad reasons but what is a battle that you're most proud of that you've overcome? I'm not sure if I've already overcome it but I think the biggest battle for me is for the future of our children uh, when I just a little background I, I grew up in the province uh, with a family that was relatively maybe more blessed than many others. And I always thought that was the greatest security blanket. And I really lived my life thinking I was very safe and that I would have a happy family forever. And you always grow up thinking that. And I always knew that I had a little bit more than others. Never really thought that my father would be assassinated when I was 13 years old. And when you face violence like that at a very young age I I don't know even today if, if there was some way to make sure that our children never have to grow up in violence mm. that to me is the biggest battle because I think it is for the next generation I would I would love to see and this is my greatest passion I would love to see a more peaceful world because mm. I think without peace uh, it's very difficult to dream. It's very difficult to think of a future with so much uncertainty. Yeah. And when you have violence committed unto you, it creates an anger inside of you that can really be a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And if you carry that kind of anger with you for the rest of your life, uh, I don't know what kind of world we live in when we all hate one another. Uh, and I see this both in its simplest form and, and the effects of it. When we look at terrorism, the very heart of that is anger towards another. Mm. And so to sow seeds of peace and, and love, which the, most people find cheesy or oversimplistic, but the only thing that has solved it, at least in my lifetime, is love. Mm. And so that to me is the greatest battle, to get people to understand one another's context. Mm. and to begin to heal those wounds that have divided not just my country but countries against one another faiths against one another mm. that to me is the biggest battle mm. to bridge those divides and to be a source of healing and 
can I really appreciate you sharing this, Issa, because um, I'm, I'm reflecting on my own life and my my own battle with forgiveness, mm. and all of us wanting to hold on to <laughs> anger. Can you can you talk to to our listeners about that, the power of forgiveness, from your own experience and from seeing it with the people you've worked with over the years? always share that forgiveness is a daily decision. I don't I don't know if you can say I have forgiven a person and it's a one time and it's done because I I have to say it every day for the person that killed my father. Uh, it's not I don't it has been 23 years since my father was killed. And every day when I think about it, I am just as pained and I have, in that first moment, I have the same amount of anger. Mm. And so every day it is a decision for me to say I will forgive this person. But it's been a very long journey. I've, I've been very blessed in many ways because working in GK is very healing. Mm. Uh, in fact, I, I take more from this work than what I could ever hope to contribute. But it has brought me to rebel community. My father was killed by a, a communist rebel. Uh, not for personal reasons. In fact, I, because of my work in GK, I have come to understand that he had nothing against my father. And I realized today that any person that can be a, an engineer, can be a doctor, can be a missionary, if you had that choice, no person in their right mind will choose to be a killer. So killers exist because we live in a world today where there is no other option. And so, to me, it became not an issue of forgiveness towards him, but really forgiveness for this system that we live in today because he was not the perpetrator and I wasn't the only victim. So was he. And that, to me, is the single most powerful thing I have learned, that mm. forgiveness oftentimes is just thinking less of yourself and putting yourself in the other person's context because we would, I don't think we ever willingly want to do something evil towards one another. Mm. And at least for my own personal circumstance, uh, it is clear to me that he was more the victim than I was. I think I was just the secondary victim to a, to a greater crime that was committed, which was he was forced to a life where he was probably in poverty. I have met a lot of communist rebels. Some of them really are in it for the cause. But for many people, sadly, in our country, it is really because of poverty. And I really realized so many of them are, if I listen, I've read a lot about communism. And what they fight for is the same thing that GK fights for. We fight for the same dreams, except that they choose a different path. And so this is why GK is so special to me because I feel we're all fighting for the same dreams for our children. We're all fighting for the same future. We're all fighting to live in a better world except GK takes the path of peace. GK takes the path of love. Mm -hmm. And I'm so, so glad because I think if I had not met GK at that point in my life, I would probably have chosen something else mm -hmm. because I can't think of a cause more personal to me than this. And I'm so grateful that GK gave me this path of peace and love. Yeah. Because we can all pursue it in other ways. We all know that those other forms of uh, 
fighting for our own faith or whatever we think is important to us. Those those avenues exist. Avenues of anger, avenues of rousing people to hate. Mm. But GK is such a strong, powerful, concrete way to love. Mm. So for some of our listeners that are whether whatever moments it be in their past, they're still holding on to that anger. What what first steps would you advise them if you were to talk to them directly right now to get on that path of reconciliation? And uh, would you talk to them for a moment in terms of what were the first steps based on your own experience and seeing others and to get out of that mindset? Because I know one of my teachers once told me that being angry is like drinking poison and expecting yeah. someone else to die. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I think the first step is understanding that what you are feeling is anger. Mm. And that acknowledgement is so important because it, it doesn't always manifest in that way. And I think when you recognize your anger, you have to ask yourself, what, is, what are you so angry about? And when you keep digging into those questions, that's when you find the deeper answers, to be honest. So, so many of us stop at, I am angry because I am hurt. And it never moves beyond that. And so it just keeps revolving into this evil cycle of me, 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 I am hurt. Something evil was done to me. But when you keep asking the deeper questions of why you're hurt and why that other person must have done it, putting yourself in that context, it's really, for me, the only thing that has worked. Because I think anytime you go deeper into self, I don't know if you find any answers when you look just towards yourself I think the answers lie when you think of others Mm. and that to me has been my (laughs) redemption really realizing that we are not the center of the universe and that anytime we put our hearts out there for others that's when our healing begins and even for me I didn't coming to uh, forgiveness for the person that killed my dad his, his name is Jesse Gabriel um he, it wasn't a direct path to forgiving him. It was a very long path of giving my heart for others and realizing that there was so much to live for than just anger. Mm. And that this anger became so irrelevant when I realized there was so much that I could do out there than just be angry. Mm. So it wasn't... And then I just came to peace with it. Uh, that this is what happened. We were both victims. And so it actually came to a point for me where there was nothing to forgive. Mm. It really came to that point, which I am most grateful for because it was very difficult. It was very difficult to keep living every day, trying to overcome it. It was such a blessing when I finally came to realize there was nothing to forgive. Wow, that's so beautiful. There really was, uh, because if he had any other choice in the matter, he would not have chosen to kill my father. And so my mission has always been to create a world where people do not have to make that choice, mm. where they can choose to be what they want to be. Mm. So, Isa, I, I want to study you more. <laughs> Let me hopefully ask some questions that can, that listeners can get some even further insights from you. I want to talk about daily, so this mindset, obviously, as you mentioned, it's not an overnight switch, it's been a process. 
if you look at maybe some of your daily habits, daily, daily rituals, which of those rituals really have helped you become the woman you are today in terms of your faith, beliefs, your vision? I 100%, you're looking at a very broken man here, we're both, but can you maybe... So is everyone, I think. Could you maybe point to maybe a daily ritual that you have that our listeners will benefit from? Uh, The most important to me is prayer. So I wake up very, very early actually uh, to protect that time. Because if I try to insert it any other time of the day, it is ineffective for me. So I make a decision every day to wake up early. It's the first thing I do. Uh, I think otherwise I would bring so much more brokenness into the world without it uh, because I have I still have some anger inside me I'm very broken very imperfect and so prayer hopefully puts me at a point where I am the best possible version of myself for that day mm-hmm. uh, and, and I try to give that time so it's the first thing I do before anything else and then I wake up take care of the children but in terms of a mental and for me spiritual although the process is mental but to me that's really my kind of spirituality I always try to ask what is what is best for the other person today so it, I try to make it less about me and <laughs> I can tell you it's very hard it's very hard to think put the other person first uh, Tito Tony has one of my most compelling quotes that I keep to this day, and it is, it is better to love than to be right. And that is so hard. It's so hard because I think we live in a world where we all feel very strongly about what we think, about how we feel things should be done. And it often gets in the way of loving the other person because we're just trying to convince one another of the way that we all should live or how a decision should be made and oftentimes we forget where is that other person coming from mm. and it it is so healthy for your soul it is so healthy for your soul that at the end of the day you can say you know the arguments it is secondary who won mm. but today I was able to love people Wow! and it's just and and I hope that that's what people remember. I, I don't think they'll ever remember you making great decisions or leading to, from one glory to another in the yeah. work. It's just I was treated with respect and value by this person. So. And one of my mentors gave me that advice years ago that stayed with me, that you're just echoing. It's beautiful that this. <coughs> they'll forget what you've said yeah. and the done, yeah. but the, how you made them feel, yes. they'll never forget. Yeah. They'll always stay with them. And, and GK always teaches us, you know, to to treat the poor with dignity and respect. And and I think you shouldn't just do that with the poor. I think you should do that with every person that you come into contact with. Uh, one of my great inspirations is Mother Teresa. I don't do a good job at it because I'm such a fan of multitasking. But I hear that with her, when she spends time with you, you are the only one in that moment. And I don't even do such a good job with that because uh, I always have to be doing so many things. But I try, I try my very best. Like if I'm with my children, to really make them feel I'm really with them. If I'm speaking with a person, to really make them feel like I'm really there for them. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. But I find that you take more from it than the others. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there's nothing more fulfilling than coming home and saying, "I have loved the people that I want to love." Mm-hmm. 
So we were or just, even harder, I have loved yeah. the people that I do not want to love. <laughs> or I feel like maybe might not have deserved it in that moment, but, yeah. but I still did it. I don't always succeed though, to be mm. honest. <laughs> I'm really, really working on it. Mm. So what, in terms of obviously, leaders are, are continuous learners, they never end, La- lifelong students. <coughs> For you, is there what particular area are you trying to, as your role as a leader, that you're really trying to master, if you will, if there's ever such a word as mastery? For me, it's kindness. Kindness. It's okay. It's hard because I think, you don't know, the, the, the longer, although they say that as you get older, I don't know. My mom says that the older you get, the kinder you are because I think mortality becomes more, I guess, more obvious for you. And so you want to leave, you start to think of leaving legacies and things. But that's sort of my, always my quest because I'm not always very kind. I'm very... If you know, I'm a perfectionist. I like to do things with order. I like to demand. I I always believe that God created us for excellence. And so I will always demand excellence from people. Mm. Uh, Especially in the mission. I always feel, you know, what pays us is the trust of people. They trust us to be good stewards of the money that they donate for the poor. And so I feel every bit of that responsibility. If GK paid me 10 pesos, I would want GK to feel that I am giving 100 pesos worth because mm. I'm, I'm not being paid for by a company that's driven by profit. I am paid for a mission. Yeah. And so I will always demand excellence. And, you know, demanding excellence and doing it in a kind way, demanding accountability. Um, I, even if GK is a non-profit, I want my dream, our shared dream is to run it professionally yeah. uh, and, and professionally in the best sense of it yeah. um, so <laughs> not the bad parts that come with professionalizing we still want to put people first um, but we want to be held very accountable yeah. for the work that we do and, and so balancing that and kindness is mm. tough oh love is patient love is kind it's very tough two struggles very very tough so we're almost at the end of the interview. I have uh, three questions left. Um, is there something about you that most people don't know that you're willing <laughs> willing to share with us now? Uh, I'm not sure if it. Maybe more people don't know it because I'm. I am generally feared, quote unquote, because my character is very. I have a very strong character, mm. uh, and. I'm, I don't know why that's the case, actually. Um, and people know that I, if you ask me to do something, I will always get it done. So, and that I demand very highly from everyone around me. If you ever work with me, in fact, anyone that comes into the, the part of GK work that I have to lead, I really speak with them and I say, I will demand the very best of you because I believe that that's what the Lord wants. And I think that becoming the best of you also requires loving leaders who will call you out when you're slacking because it wouldn't be very loving of me to just see you being lazy and just to allow you being lazy how is that becoming the best possible version of yourself but for the people that do know me I I really care very deeply in fact the reason why I demand excellence is because I think we owe it to one another and to be honest, when I came into GK, I was the most broken person. I came into it heartbroken, bringing with me 
all of the baggage um, and anger that I had. And it was really because of people like Tito Tony and Louise who really loved me so much to demand that I get better, mm. that I got better. And so to me, my real driver for doing it is that I care so deeply and I believe that we all need tough love for us to become the best that we can be. Mm. But for the ones that work with me over a long period of time, then they realize it at the end that it's not, it's really not an iron fist or anything like that. It's just so much of that tough love has gotten me to where I am today mm. and continues to form me. Thank God for these people that call you out, right? Yes, absolutely. So I, I try to do that. I try to keep a healthy and people know this. If for my very good friends, I tell them, please, please call me out. Like this is your most important role in my life. Mm. Um, because as you grow older, it's harder. Yeah. It's harder to find people who will take the time to call you the out. The courage it takes yeah. to do that. Yeah. And and the higher you go in leadership, mm. there's less and less people that want to call you out. And so for everyone that works with me, I always tell them, please call me out. Like no matter what level you are in the organization, I don't even believe in levels, but please call me out. And especially for my very good friends, every year, I'll remind them about it and say, your role in my life is to call me out. If I'm ever an arrogant son of an ass, if I'm ever too proud, if I'm ever lazy, mm -hmm. if I'm ever, if I have, because we all have blind spots, yeah. you'd be crazy to think you can see everything about yourself. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to be that for them too. Yeah. I want to be the one that helps point out possible blind mm. spots. No, I appreciate that. Second last question. The 20-year-old Issa. Your, the 20-year-old version of you. Do you remember oh. her? Uh, the 20. What was I doing when yeah. I was 20? Oh, yeah. You remember? That was actually pivotal. You, you got her image in yeah. your head? Yeah. If you were to give her advice, what advice what would you say to her? Keep being brave. Um, I think that at many points in my life, I almost didn't follow my heart. I'm all. I'm so glad that I always did. Mm -hmm. At 20, that was when I was graduating from college. I distinctly remember, and I had graduated from what people believe to be one of the best schools in this country. I don't necessarily agree with that, um, but because I think schools are secondary. I think best is what you make of yourself. The school. Yeah hardly matters. I don't know why it matters so much in this country. Mm. But um, I graduated from Ateneo and most everyone tells you, you know, you're, you graduate from the Ateneo to do great things, join a corporation or whatever it was. And it was a defining moment to choose GK because that's when we were starting GK, when I had just graduated. Yeah. It was such a pivotal point. And I'm, I'm glad that I had the courage to choose that mm. over many others. It's beautiful. So, last question. This is a podcast for the Filipinos um, here in the Philippines and around the world. Uh, what is your final message to the Filipinos and how they can become the best version of themselves? The, I, and this was long in coming, I have come to understand that so much of who we innately are as Filipinos is so beautiful. And I almost feel so sad that it's taken me all of 36 years to uh, really understand this for myself and to accept that there's so much beauty about us because the world seems to say, on the contrary, that we should be ashamed 
And I think for all the, especially the younger Filipinos uh, whom I have met and so many in my journey, to just come back to all that is good and to live it out. Because I think if we all search deep in our hearts, and this is true not just for Filipinos, but for every human being, we've all been created with so much good. Mm-hmm. And we have such a capacity to do good. And let's not believe what the world says otherwise. Because I think we fall when we think the worst of one another. Uh, you think someone's out to make a quick buck out of you, so you want to be the wiser one. Uh, you think that someone out there is... We always, I think the world teaches us to be wary and to maybe not do good because there are more unscrupulous individuals out there and you don't want one to be the wiser. But the truth of the matter is that we all have a capacity for good. Mm-hmm. And if we keep bringing good into the world, then the world will be good. Uh, and there is no greater truth than it. That if we all live out our purpose and if we all do good unto one another, that is really the only way for this world to get better. And so if we keep believing it, and if we keep trying to do what we can in our small little circles, just begin by loving the people who are within our circle, try to be a little generous, you know, save a little more so you can give a little more. Just these small acts of kindness and thoughtfulness and planting seeds of good, I think in the end will reap us a better world. And it's the only thing that will build it. Wow. God bless you. Thank Thank you you so much for an amazing, amazing interview. Thank you. Thank you. And that completes the two-part interview with the wonderful, amazing, empowering, inspiring Isa. I feel so blessed to have spent a morning with her at GK headquarters. And I took so much from that interview personally. I think if I were to share a personal highlight, the quote that she referenced, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. I think that is extraordinarily powerful. What you said and do may be forgotten, but how you made them feel will never be forgotten. So it's very powerful thought as we encounter and engage with people throughout the day. How are we, what are we, how are we showing up in those interactions and how are we making others feel? So I want to know your thoughts. What is your take from these interviews? We'd really appreciate you get in contact with us, engage with us, give us feedback on this particular interview, your favorite quote from Isa, and anything that you want to share from this interview would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, get more empowering and inspiring interviews like this, engage with us on our social media, and of course, please welcome to visit our website, bestview.ph for more amazing, inspiring interviews from people who love this country. Okay, guys, until next time, I will see you again. God bless and have a fantastic day. Thank you. For more inspiring interviews and motivational messages, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll get the latest episodes in your mobile devices. You can also go to bestv.ph and subscribe to our mailing list and get weekly updates and messages. You can also connect with us by following us on facebook.com slash on Twitter at bestview underscore ph or Instagram at bestview.ph. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube for weekly Minute with Mike videos.
That's all for now. Again, thank you for joining us here at Best of You, the home of inspiration for Filipinos around the world.